Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Father, I sure do thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And God, now because of that, because you first loved us, we are able to love Uh, Because we experience hope, we can offer hope to the hopeless. Because we have peace between us and you, we can have peace in our relationships. We can also allow others to experience this peace that does not make sense. It transcends understanding. So Lord, right now, I know still as your children, we walk through this world. Right now, there's people in this house that just need an extra dose and touch from your Holy Spirit. So do what only you can do in this time. Allow us to walk out of this place different than where you walked in because of the power of your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, this time of the year, I really, really enjoy reflecting on the coming one, the coming of Christ. Um, I don't know if you participate in read an Advent book. Uh, my daughter and I, we started reading one and actually Judah jumped into. Uh, it was one that we were giving out through our work uh, at Kiko. We've been giving out this Advent book called Watch and Wait by a local author named Jim Branch. Jim Branch has been a spiritual mentor uh, to some of our staff. Uh, he comes alongside other churches and just facilitates kind of spiritual retreats now. He worked with Young Life for, for much of his time uh, in ministry, but now is kind of coming alongside uh, other pastors and leaders to facilitate that. But in this book, I love how we come to Christ in this hour and we really are just kind of reflecting on how he came and what was the posture that he was looking for and what do we look at and and see in scripture about watching and about waiting and what does that bring about within us as observers, as participators. And, And simply put, you know, the word advent just means coming. It means appearing You know, the the Greek word, Advent is a Latin word, but the Greek word that is used is parousia, literally the coming, the coming of Christ. And that parousia is such a powerful word as you look at how, as Paul used it, um, the appearing of Christ, how he appeared to his disciples, how he appeared to the 500, how he appeared. And yet we know that he came once, but he's also coming again. And so the posture of of waiting and hoping and and expecting is still a posture that we as believers live and hopefully breathe daily, that we still see him coming. And I'm going to pull up hopefully the ability here, Bruce, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to, um, Kenneth, I'm going to try to control it if I can. I want to read a few verses as we look at watching and waiting. I'm going to start with Isaiah 7, 14, if you want to put that up there. This is, you're going to hear a couple of quick verses that I'm going to read real fast. Isaiah 7, 14 is the first one that a lot of them are the ones you hear in Charlie Brown's Christmas story. And, you know, I mean, it's like the, the, the case verses here. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him what? Emmanuel, which is God with us. And the next verse is um, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Think about the things that God wanted to communicate to us about the one that was coming. Just in these four, these titles, these names, if you would, that he would be a wonderful counselor. He would give, he would give counsel to those that, that were wayward, that were without a wisdom, that needed direction, that he would act as a mighty God. And then what are the next two names that he would be given as a mighty God? That father figure, that prince of peace, one that would come in and bring true tranquility despite the chaos you're going through. I don't know how your morning started. Mine did not start the way that I expected mine to begin. But I know that God's in control of it all. That regardless of somebody trying to steal our trailer to pick up toys tonight and it got stuck on a fire hydrant, I just have to sit back and laugh sometimes. Life will continue to happen. But we know that we have an everlasting father who still takes care of us as his children, that we have a prince who comes in and brings peace to circumstances that don't make sense because he is the prince of peace. And to the vulnerable, to the kids in our community, he wants to be this. He is still coming into their lives through you and through I, through you and through me. (laughs) I'm working on my, my English still. And so here we are reflecting on the goodness and the greatness of who he is. And Micah 5.2 continues some of the, the verses that we see that are often quoted now. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And so many of these verses for me, um, if you've heard me preach a few times, you may have heard this before, but I believe many of these prophecies that are given have what I call an epigenetic fulfillment. They are fulfilled most likely in the day when the prophet first gave them in some form or fashion. Then they are fulfilled again as we see these verses are applying to Christ at his uh, initial conception and birth. But I believe also they continue to be fulfilled throughout the ages that you see God coming and visiting, not that there would be multiple children born of a virgin, but that there would be miraculous events that even occurred in Isaiah's day with the true fulfillment of Christ. But we see these trickles, the the ripples of the earthquake, so to speak, of a prophecy where there's multiple layers of fulfillment. Christ has come. He is coming. We experienced it today as we worship. I felt his presence in this room. I felt things in my heart shifting and aligning, like just as my spirit needed to experience his presence. He is coming and he will come. So listen in 1 Corinthians 15, some of the importance that Paul places upon Christ appearing. I mentioned it briefly already. For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So he's like, he's kind of encapsulating. Here is the summary of, of the gospel of what Christ has done. That he died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then look at how many times he mentions appearing. That he appeared to Cephas, to Peter, and then to the 12. So appearing applies to both of those. Appeared to Cephas, appeared to the 12. And then after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he goes on again, and he says it in verse seven. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. More emphasis placed on what Paul is saying is the summary of the gospel than just dying, raising, but literally appearing. 
It is just as crucial and a part of that gospel message, according to Paul's text, that he appears, that he shows up. Because you think about Paul's conversion. Why was this important to Paul? Because when he thought he was doing God's work, persecuting the church, what happens on that road to Damascus, right? Jesus appears to him. That was the game changer. I remember as a almost 15-year-old, 14-year-old in a service in Pensacola, Florida, where I had grown up in a good home. I had gone to Awanas at Berean up here. I had all my sparky badges. I, I was cookie cutter for the most part that I knew to be until Jesus appeared. And then I realized as Isaiah, Isaiah did in, in chapter six, woe is me. I'm a, I am unclean. I need him the one who has appeared to me. He is so much greater. I can't, I can't chalk up any of my righteousness to how good I am. Look at him. Look at the Holy One. And that's what Isaiah heard. Holy, holy, holy. And so when he appears, everything changes. It changed for Paul on that road to Damascus. It changed for me in that room of just observing what God was doing. And hopefully it continues to change today for each and every one of us and those that we extend his kingdom to as he appears through us. And so, you know, when, when I was here at the church, we even, you know, the mission became encounter, connect, grow. And I don't think BJ changed it. He probably, you know, branding's not his thing. But for me, that was so important that we encounter God because that's where it all begins. You know, even as we talked about, uh, you know, Moses, what, what was it that kind of changed the trajectory of his call? An encounter with God, a burning bush that would not be consumed. Abraham to be called, someone called him who he knew not of to go to a land that he knew nothing about to fulfill promises that he put all his faith in because someone appeared to him, changed the trajectory of a nation of people now that we would be grafted into promises to join in an inheritance that is eternal. What can happen when we encounter him? And so I want to look at a chapter from this week's reading. Uh, it's in Psalm 130. Uh, Ellie and I were reading it and it just really was fascinating to me as we dive into Psalm 130 together. If you want to go there with me, I'll also have it on the screen. It's very short, so I'll read the whole thing, uh, eight verses. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? And he goes on, but with you, there is forgiveness so that we can and with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Emmanuel, today, you sitting here with me, let's put our hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. And I'll add restoration. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. A couple of weeks ago, um, I had the privilege to be able to speak, and we talked a little bit about what welcomes us into his presence and how gratitude is a part of that doorway. We go into his courts with thanksgiving, 
And then we're able to enter his courts with praise and how much thanksgiving is attached to us having a perspective to experience his presence and to recognize his goodness. And I look here and I think about how how these verses strike me. Look at, look at this translation. The ESV puts it this way. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? God, if you were to come and to judge us now based on our sin, who of us would be able to stand a chance? Look at the, look at the rhetorical nature of the response though. But with you, there's forgiveness. You are a holy God, but full of mercy. You, we stand in awe and it says literally, but with you, there's forgiveness. And because you are a forgiving God, this is where my kids and I, we had to get into some conversations. That is why you are to be feared. We don't fear you because you are terrifying, but because you are so good. Isn't that a totally different way of understanding how awesome he is? We don't fear you because you could come in here and crush us. You know, sometimes I want, I want my kids to fear me so they'll listen to me and do what I tell them to do. But if they know how much I love them and what extents I would go to, to, to serve them and to protect them and to make sure they had what they need, that they knew they were protected and nurtured, then the respect is we would have for the Lord. We see him through his goodness. You know, Paul says this in early, uh, the early part of Romans. He's writing uh, to, a, to a, a, a city, really, that is trying to understand the divide between Jew and Gentile. And he says, listen, it's not based on merit that you receive salvation. You see, transformation comes about when we experience his goodness. Paul says it is his kindness that leads us to transformation or repentance, Metanoia, that changing of direction, that changing of a mind. It's not because you realize, man, he's going to be harsh and he's the cop in the sky and here he comes, which I hope they do catch the guy that's, that tried to get my trailer, but still <laughs> forgive them after they pay for it. <laughs> but we see God, not as that cop in the sky, but one who shows up and he says, even though you may fall, I am with you. Even the righteous who may fall seven times, he enables us to get back up. And that's the difference in the redemption of the one that we are hoping in, that we are waiting on. And we can be filled with hope because of who he is. And our hope, it is not something that is wishy-washy. I think we use that word a lot in ways that don't carry a lot of weight today. Um, Like, man, I, I hope it works out for you. Man, I hope they win the game today. You know, I hope, hope you get that job. And really the hope that he brings into our life is so much greater and grander. Yes. It is with eternal significance. Yes. It is hope in things that we may not see as the Hebrew authors would, would poise uh, and pen those words. We hope in someone so much greater. And I was... During worship, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction here than I had even in my notes. Because I want to tie hope and peace together for us this morning. And I have Romans 8.23 you can put on the screen. I think it'll be in there. It might be. I'm, I may be messing you up. I'm going to start in 23. And this is talking a little bit about what we hope for but I'm going to get into attaching um, hope and how we receive it and grace and peace. And it's carried out in our lives here. And not only the creation 
But we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. You do realize that we experience adoption too, right? Not just uh, kids in the child welfare system, but we spiritually have been adopted into a heavenly family. And so now we also know that that adoption is going to transform our bodies. The redemption of our bodies will be included. And for in this hope, verse 24, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? Hope is always placed in something that has yet to be materialized, but you are certain will come through because of who your hope is in. It's not so much of what your hope is about, but it's who it's placed in. My kids can, they can be certain of certain things when I tell them something because of my track record or my history, or maybe they won't believe what I say because of my track record or my, or my history. You go either way, right? But when we hope in the Lord and what he has told us, we know that he is a faithful, good father that when we place our hope in him, that even as our bodies, and, and Paul would talk about in this chapter, all of creation is even groaning for this fullness of him to fill everything in every way. And I'm gonna skip down now to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things, that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. So we're talking about the one who was to come. And this is his purpose for coming, that God would give him up for us all. He gave, that was our, as we're talking about it, Sunday school at Kiko, Tara's gonna be like, oh my God, Christmas is all about giving, right? God gave the first gift. It was his son. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. You see, it is through his grace that we have received the promises through his son. It is because of grace. Mercy is, has not given us what we deserve, but grace has given us a bountiful blessing of things we didn't earn. And so mercy is not punishing us. Grace is giving us favor that we haven't, that we haven't paid for, that we haven't earned. There's nothing that we could do for what we are experiencing now because of his son. Because there is a blood that I have, I can come into his presence and I can boldly approach his throne of what? Of grace. Because of what Jesus has done, I am, an, I am extended into his family through grace. Paul starts his letters like this. He starts them like no other letter, uh, really in early uh, Roman history there. He says, grace and peace to you. And in, in, in that order specifically, and I believe it's important because if we don't understand his grace, we will never be able to experience his peace. Until we are walking in his grace and understanding the identity as children of God, of who he has made us to be, wiping out our flaws and, and setting aside how we understand our identity, but in him, who we were created to be, by grace now, we can walk and have peace. So grace and peace. So listen to how Paul puts it here, not just the beginning of his letter, but verse 33, he says, so who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. And then he goes on, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, insert circumstances you're going through. 
Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. So he goes from what has been extended to us through grace from Jesus to us experiencing a peace because who could come against you in a judicial manner to bring judgment against those that God has already extended grace to? None. You cannot be judged on any other merit now because of the grace that has been applied to your life, the blood of Jesus that is now atoned for your sin. Now, guess what? We have peace, not just between us and God, but look, even everything else that happens in this world can't steal our peace. Hardship, trauma, struggles, trailers that get, try to get stuff. Those things can't steal our peace. These circumstances, illnesses, things that have happened in your past, things that will happen in your present, none of it can stand against the power of the love of God that has been extended to us through the grace of his son. And so now we can fix our thoughts on him and on what he has already done. Because as Isaiah would say, he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So dwell on what he has already purchased for us, right? Colossians 3. These are freebies, folks, that are not in my notes. I'm sorry. It's not going to be on the screen. Colossians 3 says, fix your thoughts on him where you are already seated in heavenly places. Our mind and operating in what he has already done for us is crucial for us continuing to live the life of peace and and enabling us, being empowered through his grace to overcome and live the life of victory that he's called us to. Amen? Amen. And so I look at the everlasting peace that he has come to bring. So I want to look one more time at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And all the other rulers, all the other government, they will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, his reign and rule. When he comes, when his kingdom comes, that will never end. And I think it was in one of the lyrics of our songs today. His peace is also a part of the extension of his reign and rule. He brings shalom. He brings peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, for the the Jews in Jesus' day, they thought Jesus is going to do this by demolishing the Roman government. This is going to be through force and through a sword. What they didn't realize is that it was not going to be through a sword, but through a towel. That Jesus was going to wrap himself as a servant and that he has called us to, that if you want to be first, then you will be servant of all. You will be modeled by your master. And you see that if we want to wage war, we do it through, through exalting the name of our God, through worship, and we wrap ourselves in this world with a towel. So many of us, we love to fight our own battles. We love to do it on social media. We love to do it at the, and I'm not saying not to do it at the voting booth and all those things, but honestly, the way that we're going to wage war is through a towel and through serving in our neighborhoods, in our communities. That is where our sword comes into play, where we see God's word empowered through us, modeling our savior and bringing peace and true shalom. And so I look at the one who was to come, who has come, who is coming. 
And I think about the peace that he is bringing and wants to bring to our lives today. Peace has to do with who we're spending time with. And if he is the Prince of Peace, um, we must engage with him. We must spend time in his presence. I, you know, we've been in open home for roughly five years now, I guess over five years. I can't, I lose track. And, um, 12 or 13 kiddos through that. Seven of them have been NAS babies, um, which comes with lots of crying and lots of uh, spit up right now I see happening. It comes with a lot of other things that you typically are just not not engaged with, with, with children that haven't experienced that type of trauma. And what we realized real quick, I remember the first call we got, it was for Levi. I called Susan Mills. She was like the closest, you know, medical uh, practice, uh, practitioner that I knew to reach out to. I was like, hey, severe exposure to, to cocaine. We're talking week of birth. It's in his urine. What are we getting ourselves into? We had no idea what we were doing. And she said, really, a soothing, calming environment is really what this young man needs. Uh, you know, that's going to be the best thing. Structure, uh, consistency, loving, caring. I'm like, well, that's my wife. I'll just have to move out, but she's got it. <laughs> and, and so I was like, okay, Candy's a baby where she, you know, very much calm, doesn't overreact. I moved out and uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't move out. She needs somebody to pay the bills. But what I realize is that those babies that, that have come through our home, that they very much mimicked the environment that they were being nurtured in. Um, that with all the trauma that they had experienced, and it's the same for us, um, it's when we come into his presence that the Lord in phases, right, kind of uncovers some things that need to be healed, some hurts that, that need to be addressed. And, and the same with, with, with the kids that have come in and, and one right now trying to get away. Go sit back down. You can't come up here. <laughs> here we go. But for me, I'll be honest, we could watch a TV show or something on Netflix. And if I heard a baby crying, it like tension. Like I got tied. I still get tied to my shoulders. I've, there's a little bit of PTSD there from kid. Sorry, Josh, that I use those uh, initials for babies crying. But it's just like, oh my goodness, after that, after that many years of solid babies nonstop, it's, um, but they begin to experience the peace of the environment that they're being nurtured in. And so will we, so will we, when we come into his presence, when we allow the reign and rule of Christ to come in and overarch the, the issues of our heart, of our relationships, of our finances, of whatever areas and avenues he's wanting to address, watch how his peace begins to grow the capacity for us to experience the Prince of Peace in all of those areas begins to be extended because we're spending time in His presence. Isn't He good? Yes. And so Isaiah 26, He's already got it up here. You will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. The words here for perfect peace is literally, it's an emphasis um, on that word peace. It's a duplication of shalom. It's literally, you will keep in shalom, shalom. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Those whose minds are kept on you because they trust or they hope. Their hope is in you. Hope experience through the grace that has been extended to us allows us to operate in a peace that was never ours before, but is eternal.
So did you come today? Are you, is there something you're anxious about? Is there someone in your family? Is there uh, someone you work with? Is there, a, is there something, a situation that's going on? Where is it that you need hope and peace to invade in your life? Where do you need his kingdom to come and to come and to serve willingly the places of your life that are most vulnerable? Because that is what he does. And as we focus on him, as we shift our gaze from the circumstances and the situations and turn it towards him, we begin to see that his peace is extended, that when we are in his presence, it will be applied to those areas as well. And so Isaiah 26 says this, did I skip one? Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. He gives grace to the humble. It's not so much that he is throwing difficulty at those that are full of pride. It's that he is, he is kept at arm's length distance. His grace can't come in because we haven't welcomed it. Through humility, our dependence says, God, I need you, and he comes. Our God is a gentleman. He comes by invitation. He doesn't force himself upon us. And so he comes as he is welcomed. And so through humility, we experience that grace. He gives grace to the humble, but he abhors the proud. And so in kind of wrapping up here, Bruce, would you come up? You always make my words sound so much better. When he's playing. I write thank you cards all the time. And I'm like, only Jimmy Fallon gets really good thank you card music. <laughs> thank you. And somebody's playing. I'm going to get Bruce to come into my office, start playing. But as we see in this season, the, the angels would come and they would say, I don't know if you can throw Luke 2.14 up there. They would come and, and declare to us in this season, glory to God. They would sing this to the shepherds and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor or grace is resting. You see how they're attached again? Even in this first story of his coming, his peace is experienced to those who have welcomed his grace, who have already said his favor would rest. And now, for Mary, she was the one who was the highly favored one, right? That she would truly be the, uh, the encapsule for, for Christ to the vessel for him to be born through. But for us, his peace wants to come again because his grace will rest on us. As we invite it in, as we articulate our need, our dependency upon him, because only he is good. So even... Even the prophets would say nearly 600, 600 years before Christ in Ezekiel, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. The Lord has spoken, and I will make a covenant of peace with them. And I will rid the land and everything, everything that they've been experiencing, they will experience no more. No more turmoil, no more pain. Malachi would write 450 years before Christ saying, my covenant was with them, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Think about it. We stand in awe because of his goodness, because he forgives, 
because he brings a covenant of life and peace. And so today we welcome that. We wait upon it and we place our hope in him. So would you bow your heads with me as we wrap up today? Lord, I believe uh, as Paul writes that you have already ended the dividing wall of hostility between us and God, our Father, that now we can have a relationship where there was once enmity. You have brought peace through the power of the cross, your sacrifice of Jesus. We just say thank you. But Lord, there's so many other areas of our life sometimes we don't know how to fix. And that's because you want us to come to you. You want to bring your grace into every facet of our lives and you want to extend your peace. So Lord, today, I just want to lift up those that are in this room, that are in that place, looking in specific areas of their life, God. If that's you this morning, if you would say, Michael, I just want you to agree with me this week. There are areas that I am, I'm just struggling. I'm not experiencing God's peace. I'm not seeing his grace, but Lord, I, I sure want it. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you and for you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see hearts today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So Lord, together, we just come to you, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time this week, Lord, and we just say, we need you. We are dependent upon you. We can do nothing without you. And because of that, Lord, we, we want to posture ourselves in such a way where we don't try to just uh, tie up our laces a little bit tighter and, and do it on our own. But truly, God, we want to be empowered by your grace today. We want to walk out of here and see relationships restored. We want to trust you in every area of our life, in the areas, Lord, where we have angst and anxiety. Lord, we just give that to you because we know you care for us. And so we thank you, God, because of your goodness, because of your covenant of love and life and peace, we can stand in awe of who you are. So transform our perspective this season, Lord, as we watch and we wait, as we expect you coming again to areas of our life and through us, see your kingdom come and your will be done. It's in your name we pray, amen and amen.